Hello, and welcome to Skeptics and Seekers, the podcast. I'm your host, David Johnson, and I'm also joined by... Hi, I'm uh, Dale, alias Stegg. I'm representing the Christian or Seeker view. And uh, today we're going to uh, do what we uh, will normally do on this podcast. Uh, We are going to have a discussion based on what we have written on the Skeptics and Seekers blog. And so blogs are a little bit static. You write a bunch of words. The other person sees what you write. They write a bunch of words. But it doesn't make for much of a conversation. And so this is a chance where we can come together and talk about the stuff we've written about and, uh, and have a fuller conversation. Maybe the podcast will last 10 minutes. Maybe it'll last an hour. It depends on how good the conversation is and how wrong Dale happens to be on any given week. So, Absolutely. It's all on me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about today, uh, yeah, and we ahead. thought it would be a, a great way to introduce this podcast is we wanted to say nice things about the other person's position, which in the grand scheme of things is probably gonna be the toughest podcast we ever do. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Christians' strongest arguments, and I'm also going to talk about the atheists' weakest arguments. Dale, on the other hand, is going to talk about the atheist strongest arguments and the Christian's weakest arguments. And so without any further ado, I'm going to let Dale go ahead and kick us off. Yeah. And uh, just before I uh, get started, I just wanted to say, I I think this is a great idea to get started. I was uh, telling you uh, before, it reminds me of a show that Justin Briley did on his show, uh, where Michael Roos, they switched the roles. Michael Roos was actually playing the, the Christian. And uh, I think it was Randall Rouser who's doing the atheist. And I think this is a great way to understand the other side of the, the debate. So I, I think this is a great idea and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, so yeah, I'll get straight into it. So what do I think is the best atheist argument? Um, so it's in terms of the best atheistic argument, I actually think it's the hiddenness of God. Um, however, the, the main skeptical argument that's caused me the most frustration in my search is uh, Stephen Law's Evil God Challenge. And um, the reason I think it's so effective is basically f- the whole case for Christianity rests on the fact that God exists. Um, and the Evil God Challenge is just so effective at neutralizing almost every single objective argument that the Christian raises. It neutralizes the Kalam cosmological argument. Uh, it neutralizes, uh, you know, the teleological argument uh, and even the ontological argument as well, I think. So all in all, I, I think that that evil God challenge has been the most effective and uh, frustrating um, argument that atheists have raised that I'm aware of. So, so yeah, and, uh, I'll pass it along to David. I think he's going to give the best Christian argument. OK, well, first of all. Uh, I agree with your assessment that the argument from hiddenness, uh, which is which is not something that I wrote in the blog, is a particularly tough argument to beat. But I also I also agree with you that the evil God argument, it, it kind of transcends all of the other arguments, really, because it, it doesn't matter if the other arguments are right. So I, I think that's the, the brilliance of the evil God argument. Just as an argument tactic, it's, it's hard to fight against. Now, whether or not it is, an, it is actually a good argument, you know, we would have to sort that out and 
I assure you we will. But uh, as far as just assessing the value of the argument on, as an argument, it's really hard to beat the evil God argument because it really does bypass everything else that the Christian is prepared to defend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, like I said, it's, it's kept me up uh, late at night sometimes. <laughs> um, definitely. It's, it's something that I think needs to be, needs to be reckoned with because uh, obviously we want God to be a maximally great being. We want him to be all good so that we can trust him and have faith in him for our, for our salvation. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, kudos to Stephen Law. He's definitely given us something to think about with that one. That said, the Christian has a couple of arguments that are really hard to uh, deny. Mm-hmm. So th- this is, this is going to be tougher coming from me than I think uh, yours was coming from you, because I don't, I don't actually like to admit anything positive in Christian arguments. So, okay. I, and, and for the most part, I really do believe they're all bad. They're all bad. This, I, I stayed up uh, late at night on a couple of nights just trying to think about what I was going to say for this one, and I'm the one who came up with the idea for the show. So, mm-hmm. uh, that said, there are a couple of good ones that I, I just want to go ahead and acknowledge, and I don't have a good refutation for either one of them. So if, uh, if you find that uh, we are in a discussion, you can always bring these up and, and use them against me. Uh, ho- hopefully, I will come up with something by then. But uh, the, um, I'm going to pre- present you two, because I think the Christian arguments break down in two different ways. Uh, one of them is the argument of what would it take for me personally to believe and become a Christian? And so that's not an argument that someone makes to me. It is the it is the challenge to myself of what what would it take to make me think that Christianity hmm. is is right. And in fact, any Christian, if if they want to give up the evangelistic position and just talk about why Christ, why they are a Christian, I think the best argument is the internal witness of the Holy Spirit. It is personal experience. It is God spoke to me. God gave me a vision. He directed my life. He filled my heart in some way that I cannot otherwise explain. Now, I know that skeptics listening to this uh, will think that those are particularly bad arguments. And if you're trying to convince someone, I think they're particularly bad arguments too. But frankly, I I think if you're trying to convince yourself, falsifiability, for instance, is not an issue. Uh, I I believe that you you have said this uh, before, and this is is one of the places where the skeptic really has to acknowledge that falsifiability is not the end-all, be-all. And uh, we we have both, in uh, separate discussions, used as an example— uh, the person who is accused of a crime and the police believe that they have all of the evidence they need, the only thing is the person who uh, is accused knows for a fact that they didn't do it. Yeah. Now, all of the evidence may be pointing to them, and they know for a fact they can't do it. They can't prove it. They can't falsify any of the evidence. 
but they're also not guilty. And so th- that's where falsifiability really doesn't matter. And, and in the same way in, in religion, if, if you are convinced that God has spoken to you or has directed you in some way, no one outside of you can prove that that didn't happen. Exactly. And one, one thing, if I don't mind me just stepping in here for a second, it, it, I think you sort of get, get it, but it's, there's an important difference. This isn't just an argument from religious experience. It's not a you know, deductive, objective argument in that way. And um, it's also not just appealing to religious feelings or something like that. Oh, you know, I, f- I feel good when uh, I think of Christianity, therefore it's true. Or as the Mormons say, I have a burning in my bosom. Th- this is actually knowledge. It's, a, it's one of the different forms of knowledge called acquaintance knowledge, as opposed to derivative knowledge, which is where logic, you know, logical deduction or inference to the best explanation, that sort of thing comes into play. So this is actually a claim to have knowledge. It's not just appeal to feelings or something like that. Right. And so the problem with the claim to have knowledge is I can't get inside of you and know whether you're really having knowledge or whether you're really just expressing strong feelings. I, I can't know that. So it is a uh, it is a truly internal matter. Yeah. If, if, if you claim that this is knowledge, this is this is why a few years ago I stopped debating people about their personal experiences. I, I will just accept any personal experience that someone offers as true, as true to them as they can make it. And I I just assume that people are not lying about their personal experiences. Now, that said, I think many people are lying about their personal experiences. I think that people have a lot of uh, incentives, you know, faith healers and such. I think there are a lot of incentives for people to lie about it, but I can't Mm -hmm. prove that people are lying about it. And they might be, they may have had the personal experience exactly the way they said they did. Now, I think that there are plenty of ways for me to address that and, and discuss that without acknowledging that their God is real, but I cannot argue that they should not believe in that God. Yeah. 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 But I agree with that assessment. I think the best, best you can do is, okay, you remain true to yourself. You're, you're not going to be convinced by that line of evidence. Um, maybe you can throw out um, some examples for them to consider, you know, if they're truly being honest with themselves you know, well, Mormons claim this or, you know, Muslims might claim this type of evidence as well. So what is the difference? Are, do you truly have knowledge or are you just deluding yourself? So I think that's really the best you can do as a skeptic is give them something to consider. You know, are, are you being truthful that this is actually knowledge as opposed to, you know, you're just having a feeling or you're tricking yourself? So I think that's the best you can do on, on your end when someone brings up that type of argument. Right. And it's also the answer that I would give, I think, if I if I wanted to answer the question directly of what would it take to get you to believe? I think what it would take is for God to give me that kind of experience that he has given others that have made them so sure of it. So, you know, I'm I'm available. You can knock me on my butt to the road to Damascus, Uh, you know, whatever, whatever it takes. Uh, you can, God can give me that experience, and I may sound like a babbling idiot to other people, but if I think there is a type of experience that he could give me that would qualify as internal knowledge for me. For instance, he can appear to me in a form I don't expect, and he can tell me things about the universe that I don't currently know. And, and then I can check that information later, 
against people who do know the answers against physics and science, but I, there's a limited knowledge I have of physics and science. He could tell me a lot of things in a personal experience that would convince me, yeah, I've, I never heard that before. I didn't know that before. And now I've verified it and I know it. This must be some being outside of myself. So I, I think okay. it is possible for God to prove himself in that way if he wanted to. Okay, let me ask you this then. I'm, I'm interested because I, I know you've given me a bit about your background that you, you know, grew up as a Christian for 40 years before you, you finally eventually decided to leave. Um, at any point during your time as a Christian, um, did you have any experience? It doesn't have to be an explicit, like a vision from God. It, it could just be most people. It's just an inner witness within their heart that Christianity is true. Um, did you ever have any kind of experience that you thought at that time was the Holy Spirit attesting to the truth of Christianity at all? No. Okay. No, okay. I, I almost hate to admit that because I, I wanted to have that experience. I can't tell you how many times I have prayed for that experience. In fact, I, one of the things I used to ask God is, uh, or I used to say to God is, you know, just give me that experience. Let me see your face. I don't care if it drives me insane. Uh, if, it, if it kills me, I'll die happy. Just, just let me die with that knowledge certain. And I, I never got it. Okay, okay, um, yeah. Just, I just was interested for my own, uh, for my own sake. If, if you ever had anything that you would, you know, would have possibly qualified under that sort of thing. But yeah, you, you have to be honest yourself. If you didn't experience anything like that, then you know that's that's the way it is. The as long as you continue to remain open-minded, don't don't become stubborn or hard-hearted. I, me and you have had conversations about that in, in the uh, before. So yeah, if you remain open and fulfill your obligation, then I do think the ball's in God's court. He he will some way or another he will reveal that truth to you before the consequences uh, of not you know believing or not being saved would take effect. So. But that's almost another conversation because I didn't say that I wasn't stubborn and hard-hearted. I'm not. (laughs) So uh, right now, I'm pretty sure that uh, you could uh, rightly call me stubborn and hard-hearted. I don't think that you could have called me that at the time. But I would argue that there is a time when a person has to walk away from a failed experiment and and acknowledge it as a failed experiment. It's unreasonable to say, well, you just have to keep trying it for uh, your entire life until you die. That that becomes unreasonable. Uh, And so if you agree that that's unreasonable, then it's it's just a matter of deciding, well, when is it reasonable to give up? Oh, okay. Uh, So so yeah, so that's actually a good segue into my the next topic because I'm it's gonna be almost talking about a good, I, it's almost a good segue into your next topic <laughs> I'm sorry to destroy your segue it was beautiful and and I hope you get another opportunity but I am actually going to give you as much as it pains me another uh strong okay. Christian argument uh okay. because there is the other part that I think is really important which is the evangelistic uh part of it so this is the argument that you as a Christian would give to someone else to convince them. And for me, the only argument 
that I think would work is not really an argument, but more of a call to action. So it, it would be something like, let me tell you about the gospel as I understand it. And maybe you have that conversation. Maybe the person does not accept that. And you would say, that's fine that you don't accept that. What I would ask you to do is try it uh, before accepting it. And the way I'm going to ask you to try it is our church, our, our mission is, is doing X, Y, and Z uh, for good cause X, Y, and Z. And we need as many people helping us as we can. So whether or not you agree with our position, join us at least that much. As as far as you can in in doing this good thing, uh, or or you know carrying out this good cause for people, and you know just just enjoy our company as a community, and then if the if the spirit of God speaks to you or moves you in some way, all the better. Uh, just be receptive to that, but you don't have to be receptive to that to just have enough faith to join us in this thing that we both agree on. And I think that if a, if a Christian approached me in that way, I would almost have no choice but to accept because I also want to do good things for good people. And if along the way, their God can communicate me with me in some meaningful way uh, and build that faith and trust, then all the better. But I, I think that I would be responsive to that type of pitch. Okay. Okay. So I'm trying to think what I would say with, with the, if I understand you correctly, the evangelistic is sort of, you, you've repeatedly mentioned sort of bring you in order to give them the good news, you have to first bring up bad um, and saying, you know, using that as sort of an argument is not a good one. But what if, what if it's not, what if it's accompanied by the inner witness of the Holy Spirit? So you know, I tell you, I'm just as a missionary, I'm telling you that you're a sinner and you're going to hell, whatever the bad news is. Um, but maybe people are, are not just, it's not like a fear tactic. People are being convicted of that through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. And they're saying, you know what, you're right. I, I am a sinner. Um, yeah, tell, what's the solution? Tell me that. And it, it comes with ver- that subjective verification for those individual people. Um, would you object to the missionaries evangelizing and spreading the bad news based on the fact that it's, it is being verified, just not with objective evidence. It's not just no. an assertion. Okay. No, okay. I, w- I would not object to that. I, I, because what the evangelist is doing is if I can borrow a, a biblical term, what they're saying is taste and see. And mm-hmm. that taste and see works with the good news and the bad news. So it, just be open a little bit and see if there's a conviction uh, one way or the other. And you don't have to open yourself up to the point of a strong faith. Just open yourself up enough to join us in this mission. And, gotcha. you know, if, if, you, if the Christian can give the skeptic some way of getting in that does not involve them accepting the... Uh, the, the whole thing, hook, line, and sinker, I think, I think that the gradual conversion method is a very powerful method 
because you both start off on uh, something that you agree with. You both want to feed poor people in your community. So you both want to make this soup kitchen work. You both want to serve and raise money for this cause. Great. Let's do that. And, and, God, will, and God will work with you through that. And if he doesn't, uh, great. We at least got some work done together. And if he does, then, you know, you, you become converted over time. Okay, well, so this actually, again, this is, I'm going to segue now into, because the next thing is for me to present the worst Christian, or I interpret it not even just Christian, it's religious argument that I find it. Um, and basically, it's what you're saying. It's the just, just try it argument. Um, I don't think this is a good thing, because I've heard it from Buddhists, I've heard it from uh, Hindus, uh, you know, Muslims and, and Christians. Um, if there's just... If it's just to try it, maybe temporarily, like you're reading the, the Gospel of John and seeing if it speaks to you. But usually it's accompanied by, no, no, it, this is a long-term process. You can't just try it um, for like a month or something and see if it takes. You've you got to try this for the rest of your for years or even possibly the rest of your life. And that was something that I, I think is a wrong way to approach it. You're, because just try what? Should I just try Buddhism? Should I just try... Christianity, it, it's it's arbitrary that way. So I, I actually think that's the worst Christian argument that you could give is the just try it one. Um, I don't know what you would make in light of what I'm saying on that front. Well, I, I agree if the argument is just cast your belief in this thing. So when I say just try it, it has to be some practical thing that a person can actually do and is inclined to do anyway. So by just try it, you know, we're talking about, if you're talking about a certain type of Christianity, this probably wouldn't work for evangelical Christianity, but for the more liberal branches of Christianity and spreading the love of God and the peace that passes understanding and, and whatever all that uh, entails, uh, just try it might mean, you know, we're Christian humanists, you're secular humanists, but we both want to feed poor people. So just try it might mean join us in feeding four people, four people, and then give the, give the Spirit a chance to speak to you through that operation. Well, I don't care anything okay. about the Spirit speaking to me through that operation, but I do care about feeding four poor people. So I am willing to say I'm willing to do this thing that I want to do anyway, and, and mm. you're willing to give that uh, credit as a trial. So we can, we can do that. Now, maybe for me, I like to read. Maybe I just love reading ancient religious material. And you say, well, I tell you what, don't worry about the whole Bible. No one can do that. Read the, mm-hmm. read the first uh, 10 chapters of John. And, and then uh, when I come back next week, tell me if that, if that sparked your interest at all. That's, that's mm-hmm. a just try it that I can live with because it's something I'm inclined to do anyway. And it doesn't require me investing any faith in the thing to do it. And so if Christians can, if they can form their just try it pitch in a way that uh, aligns with what the skeptic wanted to do anyway, and that does not require them to have some additional amount of faith that, that they would have to manufacture, then I think that mm-hmm. it can be a good pitch. But as you, as you present it, yes, it's awful. Yeah. But I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just but coming you, up with a way to make be, it better. You, you would be surprised. Um, well, that's that you would be surprised. This is a common argument that I've heard multiple times when I was on my religious journey. And I'm just, I, I can't do that. You're entailing 
you're forcing me to make a faith commitment as a trial and error thing. And I, I, I just can't do it. It's arbitrary. What do I go to the Buddhists and commit to them? And maybe after 80 years, I might, Oh, you were right. It, it is true. Or something like that. It, I, I think the warrant, the warrant for the belief has to come prior to the commitments. <laughs> um, it is common. I know it's not a good one, but yeah, it's, it, I've heard it multiple times. I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, uh, Speaking to that, it is true that atheists have some bad arguments, too. In fact, mm-hmm. I think that atheists have a lot of bad arguments. Now, a lot of the arguments that atheists make that Christians think are bad, I actually think are very good arguments. So, okay. um, But I will, I will talk about the argument or maybe the category of argument that takes, that takes in a lot of atheist arguments that I would say are bad. So anything that falls into this category, uh, which is to say, I don't believe in God because I am uncomfortable with the idea of God. I I think there's a lot of, of that. And a lot of, there are a lot of ways that people come to that place. So if, if I can talk about uh, just for a moment, a bad Christian argument, it's, it's the same category of arguments so you will see in my writing, uh, I, I talk about this quite a, a bit, the argument from existential angst, where the Christian makes a, a, a statement uh, that is, is uncomfortable, and because it's uncomfortable, God must be the answer. There must be some solution to this uncomfortable thing that I brought up. So maybe, maybe it's, uh, I can't understand my purpose in the universe if, if there's no God, so therefore I'll believe in God. Or how can we possibly know what's right or wrong if there's no ultimate moral judge? How can we know that life is going to be fair if there's no one to make it fair? You see how uncomfortable this is? Therefore, there must be God. Ah, that's better. So that's, that's the argument from existential angst. And I think there's a whole category of arguments that fit into that. That said, I think that atheists do the same thing. In a lot of ways. So, you know, the, the argument uh, from the atheist side may be something like, I like having my freedom, I, and I don't want someone telling me what to do. I don't want to acknowledge some authority over my life that's, that's greater than me. Therefore, I don't believe in God. That, that's how this, this argument from existential angst works both ways. Yeah. 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 I agree. I think you've said it all. There's actually nothing to add. I I do agree with the way you phrase that. Um, Yeah, this is a bad atheistic argument. Um, Carried it. Part of part of becoming a Christian, at least, is being willing to obey Jesus and to submit um, to God's authority because you have faith and trust that what he's commanding you to do is right, is morally right. It is for your benefit and for his benefit and for all human humanity's benefit in general. And, um, so, yeah, I, I definitely see if you're, if you're stubborn in that, no, no, I'm my own authority. I'll decide what's best for me. Then, yeah, this is, and that's your reason, even if you know Christianity is true, but you refuse to become a Christian just because of that. Um, yeah, there's not much I can say, but amen. <laughs> I agree with you 100%.
And with that, let's, uh, let's transition to our final segment, okay. which is uh, just some, some general nice things about the other camp. This is a tough one, uh, but you mean I but, have to? You mean I have to give you a compliment? I don't. I don't know uh, if no, I can do that. No, not me personally. There's, there's <laughs> okay. not a lot that you can compliment about me personally. But uh, okay. <laughs> what I what I'm going to ask you to do is, in a sense, give atheists a compliment. So I'll start uh, because this is easy for me. I was a Christian all my life, most of my life, from the time I was baptized at seven, but I was born into the church. I hung on to faith uh, until around forty maybe a little after. Uh, and everybody I know is a Christian. My, my contacts list is full of Christians. I don't actually know very many atheists compared to the number of Christians I know. And the majority of Christians that I know are really good people. Now, I think they would have been really good people without Christianity. But, but our worldview was Christian and we don't get to roll the, the experiment again without us being Christian. So you can't say that they're, they were good because they're Christians. And I can't say for sure that they would be good had they not been Christians, but the, the, the Christians that I knew and called friend over the years, uh, I genuinely miss a relationship with them. Uh, they were, they were good in almost every way that, that I could think of as good. Now, don't get me wrong. I knew plenty of evil Christians too. But uh, by and large, they seemed to be a people that really took goodness seriously. And uh, I, I owe a lot of the goodness that I have in me now to Christians who acted within their worldview. Yeah, I think you're you're right. But again, on on that, there's there's good and and bad in every group. I guess you you can take me as the worst example. I don't know, but um, no, I'm just joking. There, yeah, I think that there are definitely Christians have a commitment in general to wanting to do what's morally right and you know what's the benefit for others. And that that's actually uh, when I was thinking the best qualities of Christians. What what would it what would be one thing it would all boil down to? And uh, basically, I agree with Paul. It's it's they have this tremendous loving nature for themselves and towards others. They're they're commanded um, to put others before themselves at times uh, out of love. And I think I forget where it is. You'll probably know better than me. Um, in ter- in the Bible, where Paul's, uh, I think it's First Corinthians thirteen, um, where it's you know if I have all the superpowers, if I uh, can prophesy, or I'm the best teacher, and I know all things. Um, if I don't have love, I'm nothing, and it amounts. It's I'm a clanging symbol. Um, that that had a tremendous impact on me, and I I I aspire to show that Christ-like love and become more loving towards others and that sort of thing myself. So I think that's the best quality that I can think of that I've noticed of Christians. Yeah, you, you know, you know I, I was trying to be nice, and then you dragged Paul into it. Um, okay. <laughs> so, um, so let me, let me just say this. I, I don't think that Christians are good because their Bible says to be good. Now, I, I mm-hmm. know that they frame their goodness in, in those terms. 
but I don't think that's why they're good. And th- I have two reasons for, for saying that. One, so many Christians, especially uh, what I would call the liberal Christians, they, they have a type of goodness and, and worldview that the God of the Bible does not seem to have. So they have truly recreated the God of the Bible into their own good image. They are not taking on the image of that God of the Bible. They are, they are, they're taking things that, that God did that we would all consider pretty atrocious and reframing it in a way that makes it less so. Why? Because they are good, and they are good beyond the confines of their Bible. The other reason I would say that Christians are good not because of their Bible is because I've seen many Christians walk away from faith just like I have, and they remained mm-hmm. good. So even even without that biblical context, they they remained good people. In some cases, became even better people. So I would argue that while Christians do tend to be good people, it's not because of the God of the Bible. It's because they are good people and they are attracted to Christianity because they are good and they're attracted to a thing that seems good as well. So I'd say, of course, um, you know, you know, the, the Bible, it, it's in a way I could say it is because of the God of the Bible, since I believe Christianity is true. All human beings are made in the image of God. So it's not that you have to be a Christian to be loving. It's not a unique quality. I didn't mean it to come across as that. Um, but it, from a Christian worldview, because human beings are made in the image of God, this is why they reflect a loving nature, whether they're Christians or not. Um, and certainly the Bible, the, the Apostle Paul's command reflects that um, fact that we are made in the image of God and gives us an additional support that, hey, this is the chief concern. So that's what I was trying to say is, I think if I had to label what's one of the best qualities that Christians should should display or or have by and large it would be it would be that but i didn't mean to imply that it's a unique attribute that people just get because they read oh the bible commands me to be loving therefore i will be that makes sense yes and i believe that you had some nice things to say about atheism before you left yeah um so I think, again, boiling it down to one thing, uh, this does not apply to you, David. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> one thing that I really respect about skeptics, whether they're atheists, whatever they are, um, is a willingness to question everything. Um, and this isn't always the case with Christians or religious people. For some Christians um, that I know personally, some topics are just off limits. You can't, you can't even question that. You just take take it as a given and that's it. And, you know, mainly they come from a presuppositionalist perspective and that sort of thing. So I I think you need to wrestle with everything in order to get the truth. You need to be at least willing to do that. Um, So that's one uh, quality that I think skeptics uh, bring out and benefit us as Christians. You know, how how do you know God exists? Don't don't just assume does God exist, you know, uh, Let's question this. What are your reasons for believing Christianity is true or that sort of thing? Where, So that that's what I would say is one of the good qualities of having you skeptics around to help us out to, to improve. Well, uh, so 
I agree with that, and I, I thank you for that observation. And I will just say, as a personal observation, this is one of the reasons why you were chosen to do this podcast because you are one of the few Christians that I communicate uh, with on a regular basis on a discussion board who never dodges anything. You you address the difficult things head on. You never try to dodge a question just for the sake of trying to win an argument or or to avoid losing an argument. It's uh, you're you're the most honest Christian interlocutor I've ever met, and so I. I think that this quality of atheists that that you have spotted is one that you have managed to manifest in spades. Excellent. Jeez, I, wow, thank you so much. Yeah, it is something, I, I think I told you for when I started on, on the board, you know, I'm, I really sincerely am interested in, in the truth and making sure that my reasons or anything that I do, especially, especially now as a, um, a Christian, I have uh, a duty to make sure that my comments are edifying and that I'm answering directly the tough questions to the best of my ability. Um, and I also have a sincere, when people bring up an issue, um, you know, for for example, I might not know the, the answer to it, but I really want to wrestle with it and try my best to see if there is an answer or justification. And if I can't find it, then just admit, you know what, I, I don't know this answer. So one, one example I can think of um, that's come up on the boards is um, there is a, a moral question of uh, the Exodus plagues, or at least some of them. Are they cruel and unusual punishment? And this is a topic in and of itself, so we're not going to get much into sure. it. But, sure. um, you know, is this comparable to cruel and unusual punishment? And I think there's there's something there to think about. I, I have, you know, partial answers, but I, I don't have a fully satisfying answer and you know this is something that deserves to be tackled and looked into and you know is there any kind of difference between them and that sort of thing so yeah that i'm i'm really glad that you've noticed that quality because that's something i've really tried to do on on the boards is make sure that i'm not avoiding i I answer as directly as i can even when it hurts um and uh yeah this is all in the interest of truth you know like this this is what i try our best to make it hurt we, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know you do. So, I know you do. <laughs> so, I mean, as as I have been uh, sometimes quoted as saying, conversation is a blood sport. So, that said, uh, what we encourage you to do is check out the written portion of this, the Skeptics and Secrets blog. You can find it at reasonpress.net. That's R-E-A-S-O-N-P-R-E-S-S dot net. And from there, just click on the Skeptics and Seekers uh, icon, and it will take you to our blog post, find the most current blog post, and there we take out the knives. I actually talk about the worst Christian arguments uh, and the best atheist arguments, while Dale uh, skewers the worst atheist arguments and uh, highlights the best Christian arguments. It's a fantastic read. And next week, we will be talking about that, uh, and it will be slightly less of a congenial discussion. It's Skeptics and Seekers, The Cage Match. Oh, okay, I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) 
should, should be a good time, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. A good time had by all. Reason Press, uh, you can find Still Unbelievable, the book. You can download it for free. If you'd like to ask any questions, click on Ask an Atheist Anything and leave your questions there. Uh, as always, read the Skeptics and Seekers blog, listen to the podcast, and we'll be back next week. Excellent. All right. Good time. Talk to you then.